Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. can have whatever it is that you want but you have to work really hard and you have to be dynamic in because it may not be what you think you know what it looks like when you're a kid you know as a, you know thinking I'm gonna be a musician what you imagine isn't necessarily gonna line up with the reality of, of how it goes so you have to be you know in other words you don't want to pass opportunities because you're stuck thinking in tunnel vision it's gonna be this one way you have to be dynamic Welcome to the Travis Book Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Travis Book. This episode is brought to you by Thompson Guitars, makers of fine instruments handmade with love in Sisters, Oregon. The podcast is presented by Americana Vibes and the Bluegrass Situation, and our show is part of the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. You can dive into all things roots music anytime at thebluegrasssituation.com. Full disclosure, I've played music and stood closer to Andy Falco on stage more than anyone over the last 15 years, maybe ever. As the guitarist for our band, the infamous String Dusters, he continues to redefine acoustic guitar, blending bluegrass, blues, funk, and rock and roll in a style that defines the sound of the Dusters. His guitar is the most important part of the band. In 2021, he released a solo record, Will of the Way, and in 2023, we released the first volume of our tribute to Jerry Garcia on Americana Vibes. Kind, humorous, focused, and grateful, Andy Falco is a living legend and an absolute treasure. This episode was recorded live at the Gray Eagle on August 25th, 2021. It's the Travis Book Happy Hour. With Travis's special guest, Andy Falco. The thrill is here, and now your host, Travis Book. Thank you, Bill, and thank you, studio audience. I don't start every show with this song, but I start all the good ones. 
with this song. Can we live together without pain? Burdens at our doorstep, burdens in our heart is time to let them travel, lay them down. From the tallest mountain down in the lowest valley, we're all asking, want to know why we're climbing, tell me. While we're falling, tell me where we're going. I want to know where sunrise. Rise. day coming and it's not promised but it's all we know can we quantify it can we try and name it try to fight it while we hold it close right That's tonight's guest, Andy Falco on the guitar. Thank you. Ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Sea, 
locked inside, just set free. You become what you could be. Who can say isn't me guilty blame? It's all the same. It's all the same. All to say, it's hard to find. Is it all in your mind? Is it without or is everything? How does it feel in your skin? Pride or shame? It's all the same. It's all the same. When you want me, you will find me
Some say he's the perfect, he's the man, he's the right man for his time and place. And, and uh, you know, the, there's, there's just, uh, you know, I've, I've been driving around with this guy and playing music with this guy for so long that I just didn't, I'm like sort of at a loss for words of what to say. It all just seems so obvious to me. Uh, but he's just a fantastic person, a great, great musician, one of the most versatile and devastating guitar players on the planet and just uh, an absolute joy to be around, completely hilarious, uh, wonderful family man, great band mate, and one of my best friends. This is Mr. Andy Falco. Stool? Would you like a stool? Yeah. yeah. You want to go full stool? Let's go, let's go with the stool. I like it. All right. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, we are now entering what I call the interview portion of the show. I'm going to ask Andy some questions. You know, I've never opened it up for questions from the floor, but something tells me if I did, I'd probably regret it. <laughs> so maybe we won't try that tonight. Andy, man, thanks so much for, for making the show. We had you scheduled to come on uh, last, uh, was it November, October? That's right. And um, it just didn't really make sense at the time. Um, yeah, you know. things were heating up, and we were on the road, and we had to, uh, we had to pull the plug on that one. And that was fine, but we're just so glad that you're here now. So happy to be here. Glad <laughs> it's been a long time coming. It really has. You know. It really has. So uh, let's get a little context, man. You were born. You were born in the city, in New York City. I was born, yes, in New York City, in um, in Greenwich Village, actually. And you were the third of four children. Third of four children. And um, and you moved to Long Island when you were a year old. So you're effectively a Long Islander. Yes, absolutely. And with a short stint in Nashville and another short stint in Virginia, you've been in Long Island your entire life. That's right. Aside from those 12 years or so, yeah, Long Island. And it's safe to assume you will stay, given the choice. Yes, 100%. Unless, uh, you know. unless economics or sea level rise make the decision for you. Yeah, it wouldn't take much for us to have beachfront property right now. <laughs> I know, you're, you're close over there. Um, what is the, what's the first music that you remember getting your attention? The Beatles. How old were you? As long as I can remember. Wow. And you, because your parents were playing music in the house. Yeah. You talk about your dad having an extensive record collection, right? Yeah. Which I have now. Of course. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, there are records in there I haven't gotten to yet that, you know, I mean, I feel like there's just a lifetime of music to listen to just in that collection you know and he has a, he had really eclectic tastes very eclectic my parents had everything from you know some rock records like the Beatles and the Doors and and that kind of thing you know Simon and Garfunkel they also had a lot of Broadway musicals they had a lot of classical box sets of you know different uh, classical artists and they had you know Johnny Cash and a lot of my dad my father loves old like jazz old jazz like New Orleans jazz you know amazing early jazz stuff so there's a lot of that those kinds of records but then you know so there's a, a lot of jazz Doc Watson and Johnny <laughs> you know my, my parents were like model record buyers I think when they heard something on the radio and that's how they my father came across a Doc Watson record he heard Deep River Blues on the radio and he went to the record store Where's what I heard deep that record? I'll take that. I'll take that record. It goes in the collection. Right. That's funny. My dad is still like that. Only he, um, it's like Rolling, like Rolling Stone reviews. Like if he if he hears a band getting enough heat, 
Like he's way into black, he was way into black pumas. And he turned me on to Radiohead, you right. know? Like my dad was always really hip. That was his way of being like, and still is his way of being like a novel music consumer. And yeah. he's still like, he's like, he's frustrated that we don't put out CDs. Yeah, well, know? I Bless mean, his heart. people like that, it's, I mean, that's how it was. That was yeah, discovery. He's not the only one. Radio was discovery back then. And you heard a song and you assumed that you'd buy the record and, I think that's how they, you know, got the first Beatles record, which I have all the original 60s records, you know, from from those days. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just incredible to have that, grow up with that record collection and be listening to those to those records, you know. Well, you definitely, uh, as someone who plays music with you a lot, a lot, um, I can, you know, it's fun, it's fun, I can hear all that in your playing, and it's, um, it's, uh, it's just always so refreshing when um, it, it doesn't take much for you to identify a feel or an intention and, and to be able to then fill in all the pieces and know how it works. Like you know how a calypso groove works and you know how every country groove works and you know how every jazz groove works yeah. and you're so good at hearing even just like the subtleties of what even just like where I mute my note will tell you sort of what style I'm trying to do. It's just it's remarkable. I guess what I'm trying to say is all that stuff obviously got really deep in you. Yeah, you know. It's in there. Yeah. And always will be. And, you know, and then, and then I was part of a choir when I was a kid that my mother signed us up for because there were auditions. And it was like she signed my brother up, and he was in first, and then she put me in, and I was young. But that was, you know, that was my, like, my music school because there was, like, a, it was intense. It was Tuesday after school with the boys' choir and Thursday evenings with the men in the boys' choir and then Saturday morning with the boys' choir and then Sunday you did like several, you know, whatever. And, well, you, and had four, you had like four gigs a week right. as a kid. Yeah, and you got, you got paid. You got this little envelope like once a month that like, you know, there'd be like, you know, $5.62 in there. And what? Be like, was it oh, from man. the union? It was from the, get the you know, the, the donations or something. Child labor rate. Right, yeah, I don't know of how legal. But it was, you know, there was one-on-one. -on -one wait, 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 you were playing for donations then? Yeah, still. How, how far we have come. Right, yeah, right. In fact, I'd like to take this opportunity for those of you listening at home. We do have a reduced studio audience here, and as, as fantastic as they are, they are not enough to cover the overhead. So any contributions you can make to my Venmo, Travis Book, it goes to cover the expenses, or my PayPal, paypal.me backslash travisbook1, I believe. Any, any help would be totally supported. It's funny how things are cyclical and how you never really get too far from your origins. I'll probably be asking for money when I'm 90 years old. Won't hey, I? even a little envelope of $5.61 would help, you know. <laughs> you know, obviously you're growing up music, you're into music. When did you know that it was gonna be your trade? I, I, I knew I was gonna, I knew I wanted to do that. I mean, my ninth grade yearbook in future aspirations, you know how you list all these different things. Future aspiration, it, it says to be a musician. But it was not like to be on the cover of Rolling Stone or to be, you know, a rock star. It was to be a musician. And I think early on that's kind of what I always, you know, sort of once I dove into it, I really wanted to do that. And, you know, I would sit with the Grateful Dead songbook and make my own Grateful Dead song li set lists and yes. play through the tunes, you know. Yes. But, uh, but, you know, oftentimes with my, bro my older brother, who was, you know, huge in, in getting me and my little brother into music, I mean, you know, he played guitar and he taught us, got us started and got encouraged, hey, let's jam, let's jam, come on, I don't know, no, come on, let's jam, you know. And we would just do, you know, 
Dead Tunes and Simon and Garfield Funkel Tunes and Allman Brothers Band Tunes and 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 you know and jam and like E Jam, right? You know, whatever. <clears throat> just E E. Let's jam on E. You know, but like that was you know so that fun. was that was growing up that way and and um, you know and that was huge you know to have an older brother to turn you on you know not only to the being a musician but also the music he was turning us onto which was like the Grateful Dead and stuff that my parents weren't so clued into and it was always guitar for you. Yeah, well, no, I was in school, I, I took like horns, you know? I played um, trombone and I played tuba for a while. And, um, you know, it, we had like a really good music program growing up. There was this teacher named Mr. Wagner who just passed away a few years ago, but he was an amazing, just enthusiastic, awesome human being who just, you know, you know, turned a lot of kids onto music by being just great. And he had, you know, you know, the band and, you know, and I was, I played, you know, some instruments just like in school with that and had, you know, and it, a great experience with that. And so I was lucky to have a school that also had, you know, and, and not just, you know, there are people I know who were, didn't grow out, become musicians, but people who learned to play music. Right. A lot of kids, you know, and it's, that's, that's a really important thing, I think. Right, it helps cultivate appreciation, yeah. for sure. Yeah, whether, whether, they, whether, whether you play forever or not. Yeah. It helps open up those neural pathways and Absolutely. make it part of your life. So initially, you're getting into music and you're playing, you're playing like blues and rock guitar, right? Like out of high school. Yeah, well, we were into like... Um, you had a Water yeah. Street blues band. Yeah, that was a little bit later. It was, you know, early on it was like we had like, we were playing, we were writing songs. You know, I met a, a kid at school and we became best friends and we, you know, the, this guy who was like a more of like a soccer jock, you know, who we heard play drums and he had a denim jacket that said Rush on the back. So he's, he's got to be good. He had to be good, obviously. man. And so it was like, well, let's approach him at the bike rack, you know. They don't just sell those jackets you know? to anyone. And it, right. It was like, hey, man, we need a drummer. And so we had a band called Domain. Great name. And... uh we played in, 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 and the guy that I, you know, my friend who, you know, was, I started the band with, he was a keys player, but he was playing bass because we didn't have any, you know, any bass player. So and we did that through high school, but we were like writing songs. We were in a basement and uh, in, in his parents' basement, you know, with that band. And every, every single day after school, we would jam and we wrote songs and we played covers and it was like, you know, classic rock covers, you know, Grateful Dead stuff like that, uh, you know, traffic, you know. But yeah. then also these originals, you know, yeah. that were, and it was, you know, we were doing as much original music and recording that stuff, you know, and our studios got slowly bigger. And that was like how I learned how to, you know, do that just really one step at a time, you know, since the beginning really, you know. And then, you and then later it was like, you know, the Grateful Dead got us into, okay, where did that music come from? You know, it was you know, okay, now there's blues and there's country and there's all this other stuff. My older brother started getting deep into bluegrass and sort of got us sort of, you know, into more bluegrass stuff. But it all kind of, all of that Americana music that followed, you know, we were into all that stuff I told you previously. But then once, once it was clear that the Grateful Dead were getting a lot of this music from these other places, it was like, well, right. let's check that well, out Well, that's too. where we're going to go for it. You know, yeah. and so that's yeah. how we got really into like roots music, you know. How, and I was going to say, like, so, you, you know, you're, you're playing, like, rock music and you're getting into the dead and you're evolving toward acoustic music. But at some point, it, 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 at some point it made sense to you to move to Nashville yeah. to play acoustic guitar. 
Yeah, well, I was, you know, playing mostly electric guitar, and then, you know, I started, that's when we met Buddy Miriam, mm -hmm. and Buddy started playing with us, and I still was, I don't even think I owned an acoustic guitar until I saw Doc Watson do that workshop by accident, and then I, um, I, I got an acoustic guitar, and we started doing more bluegrass, and then I kind of morphed into playing in Buddy's band, and we did that right. for a few years, and then kind of wanted to dive deeper, and, you know, with the, I think, with, I would say with the encouragement of Cody Kilby and Josh Williams, um, they, you know, I went, I moved down to Nashville to just, you know, if nothing else, learn something or, you know, just see what was up and, and you know, this is what's up. <laughs> 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 this is what, this is what happened, right? You know, just, just a little bit more history and context and then we'll play some more music. Um, when, can you, it's, when did you first start meeting the guys that would become the String Dusters? I met P Chris Pandolfi in the hallway at a bluegrass festival in Fram you know, at uh, the Joe Val Bluegrass Festival, and it, and it was, well, one step before that, I met Chris Eldridge, Critter. We used to have these all-night jams at IBMA we, when I played in Buddy's band. We'd go down from Long Island to Kentucky, and, you know, it was just a rager. That's why I met so many people at night, you know, th through that, and we'd have these all-night jams. And, you know, one, it was the last night, we stayed up, I mean, the sun was up, and we had to leave that day, we had to get on a flight, and we're like, no, 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 maybe, you know. And in the room, you know, the door was kind of open, and in walks Chris Eldridge, you know, with his guitar. <laughs> and he's like, hey, guys, you guys still picking? You know? <laughs> no, man, who are you, you know? Oh, I'm Chris, oh, that's cool, and, you know, we're, you know, we introduced, and we're, we hung out for a little while there. Maybe we might have even jammed a little bit, I can't remember, but, you know, and then I was like, well, look, man, we, we actually got to, we're packing up, we got to go catch the plane. And he was like, cool, you mind if I crash in the room here until <laughs> check out? <laughs> he wasn't looking for a jam, he was looking for empty rooms to crash in. <laughs> we said, have at it, man. And, and, but, you know, so we, I, I knew him, and then That's critter. a few years later, I guess, he introduced me to Chris Pandolfi in the hallway and, uh, of that, and I met Panda, and I met um, Andy Hall, I th you know, on the New England sort of... Gray Fox. Yeah, Gray scene. Fox. He would come and yeah. jam with us every year. But I didn't know those guys together. It was like I knew Andy Hall. He would come. We would see him, like, at Gray Fox. We'd jam. It was cool. And then, like, you know, we wouldn't see each other for a year. And then, and then you know, and then somewhere in there, he moved to Nashville, maybe. And then I kind of met Panda. And then, you know, and then he would be kind of on that scene on Gray Fox. And we were doing that thing. And he would do gigs with us, with, with, with Buddy Miriam. Right, he was in Buddy's band song. yeah. And, um, and, you know, and so, you know, that was that scene. And then, and then him and Critter moved to, to Nashville, you know. Yep. And, and Andy Hall was already there. Um, and then uh, Jeremy, I met at Spigma in the bar. It was my first time in Nashville. And Spigma's kind of like IBMA. It's like, a, it's like another bluegrass music award, maybe like a more traditional version of it. And It's a diplomatic way of putting it. Yeah, and... Um, <laughs> We do call yeah. him the Bluegrass Diplomat. That is literally his nickname. This no. man has more Bluegrass musicians' phone numbers in his phone than anyone on the planet. He's, he's at least, he's like one step, he's like the Kevin Bacon of Bluegrass, only he's one step removed from everybody. If you don't know Falco, you're definitely like, your best friend is best friends with him. Diplomat, it's Bluegrass true. Diplomat. Sorry, I digress. It's true. So that's where you met Jeremy. So we were we were in the bar and and his and some guy comes up to me, you know, and he's like, "Hey man, how have you been?" And I was like, 
uh, I've never been in Nashville before in my life, and I'm like, uh, good, how are you, you know? He's like, oh, I'm great, man, you know, so you, everything's going well, you've been, you know, doing your thing, and I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, sort of, uh, you know, I don't know, yeah, just kind of doing my thing. And then he was like, actually, I think I thought you were someone else. I'm like, I think so, too. Pretty sure you And did. it was Glenn, it was Jeremy's dad, and he goes, well, he goes, well, oh, man, and when he, we introduce each other, and then he goes, hey, I want you to meet my son, and, and he brings me over to Jeremy, and, and that's how I met Jeremy. Classic. And we've been friends ever since. <laughs> Indeed. And then you I met when, after, you know, because originally it was Alan in the band. Yep. And they were, you know, I used to go see those guys play, and then, um, and then he, I guess, you know, and then you would come down, and I remember when, because when, I was friends with those guys, and they were like, oh, we, we found our bass player, I think, you know, and he sings, and he's, you know, he's really great, and all these, you know, cool things that they were saying, which, you know, were <laughs> Pro- lies. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Imagine your disappointment <laughs> when you met me. I mean, I was like, what the hell? I thought... No, um, no, and, and I remember seeing you play with them for the first time, and, and it was like, oh, yeah, they're going to be... Because I remember when Alan left, it was like, all right, this is... It was like you came in and, you know, heard you sing and play, and it was like, oh, pfft, those guys are going to be fine, you know, and it was great, and, um, and that's when I met you, like, through those guys, you know, going to their parties, because Panda and Critter were living together at the time, and, and then we were all... We were all in that. It was a great time, because uh, we were in all in Nashville, and all these... All our friends in Nashville, you know, and now there's a there's like a new younger scene that's doing the same there's thing. All, kind uh, of, what, what's happening in Nashville now with all the young people like uh, you know, like Lindsay Lou and and Billy and, Billy and yeah. all those people that was it, our sort of parallel was happening a, a yeah. decade ago, that's ten, right. 10, 15 years ago. We were all doing the same thing, you know, yep. all hanging out, playing music, living too many Jamming. people under one roof, yeah, um, and just having and having a ball yeah. and learning a lot from from all of our heroes who, of course, lived there and were coming to the jams and hanging out, you know. I mean, it was a great time to, to be playing music. And, and, and we were young enough to be able to sort of live that way, you know. It was nice. And tour the way we toured eventually, you know, which was, you know, it's gnarly. It's a, and it's hard to do when you get older to do it that way. So we were lucky to do that at a time when yeah, we, we were... Yeah, we did like three days in a minivan this weekend. And oh, the five guys in the band, it was like we were acting like we were like 80 years old. Yeah. We were like, hey, By day three, we were like, okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's, but I mean, back it's in the day, we would do, it wasn't unusual to do six weeks in a 15 passenger van, you know, driving through the night. I mean, that was normal. You know, we would say, it still but, is. Well, there's people out there doing it as we speak. Yeah, yeah that's true. And that's it's the, hard. That's hard work, man. That's, that's hard the amazing work. thing about being in a band is you can just find some people and a van. And you're, you're a band. And you can go on tour. Now, there may not be anyone to see you when you go out there. No one may care. Your music may just be the proverbial fart in the wind. But you can be a band. Anybody can really do it. Yeah, and if you, if you could stay with it long enough. Yeah. You we're, know, we're, we're lucky we all found each other. Very lucky. Yeah, and we're, and we're lucky we're still doing this. You know, sometimes people talk about, like, um, it was funny. Uh, you, you and Ashworth were talking last night about, uh, like, the newest member of the band. And that's something that we don't really talk about anymore. Technically you are, but it's, you know, there was like this tiny little blip in the beginning where there was a few other members, a few other things going on. But, you know, for about the last decade, it's been, it's been the String Dusters doing our thing, and I'm really grateful you're part of it. I am too. <laughs> before, before we segue out of this and into the music, I do want to talk really briefly about your new record. You put on a new record. You worked long and hard on this thing. It's I a do. labor of love. It's got a beautiful cover. Thank and you. some really beautiful music on it. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, I worked very hard on it, and it was, um, 
you know, I got up, you know, my wife did the cover, but she was also very involved in the, in the, even like, you know, she heard, I mean, I made that record in my kitchen pretty much, you know. Yeah. And she, a lot of times she'd be next to me, you know, maybe cooking or something, you know. And, I, and then she heard that stuff, you know, my girls heard that stuff a lot, you know, Jasmine and Violet, you know, both did. And, you know, that could be a very annoying in a small house. But, um, no, but she was very, um, you know, very helpful, and she's got a great ear. And so she kind of helped me through, you know, sort of having, you know, I was so close to it, and it was so personal that, you know, having somebody who I trusted to be like, because there were certain things that I might be doing, she'd be like, <laughs> you know. And you need no. that, man. Yeah. I mean, we, we do that with each other in, uh -huh. in our band, you know. Absolutely. But when you're making a record by yourself, you know, sometimes, yeah, you need somebody that you trust to just be like, no, nah, nah, man, you know. Like, Don't do that. You know. Be like, you got to do better than that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as you know, but she was so helpful and, you know, I spent a lot of time on it and it was all songs that meant a lot to me and, you know, and I'm, I had some help from other people and that was done remotely. Um, but um, and it was great to have all those people and everybody, you know, it was great. Everybody who I sent a track to, everybody put their heart and soul into it, you know, and I really appreciated that. It wasn't just like, here's a tune and just phoning it in and here's the part, you know. It was more like, you know, people would sort of, it felt more like a collaboration yeah. and everybody put their mark on it and did it their way. And, th and that's, you know, when it really started to sound like music, you know. Right. Well, speaking of music, um, let's get you, let, let's play some of this music. Everybody, this is Andy Falco. The one and only. I'm gonna let Falco, uh, I'm gonna let Falco do a tune by himself. Uh, but then I'm going to join him, and we'll play some more music. And then I think I have a few more questions I'll ask you. Although I will say, I feel like I got a lot of information out of you on that one. I don't shut up, you know that. You, yeah, what's, there's got to be a good way to put this. Uh, you have a gift to gab. That's right. You do. You really do. And you have the gift but of it, song, and you're also, you're also a really great person. Everyone, this is Andy Falco. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. Thank you. Holy Rover, where are you going? You hide beneath cloak you made yourself to wear you doubt your truth you don't have a conscience you burn each bridge you build but you never even care so what's your problem why are you bleeding you try to wipe blood on someone else's hands to come into your own, you'll have to fall in line, but that's when you move along to leave it as it stands. Holy Rover, where are you going? You hide beneath the cloak you made yourself to wear. You doubt your truth, you don't have a conscience. 
You burn each bridge you build, but you never even care. So I went walking through the alley and down the street in the dark parts of my mind I came to a crossing where the river of life flows but another burnt bridge was all that I could find Holy Rover where are you going you hide beneath the cloak you made yourself to wear Doubt your truth You don't have a conscience You burn each bridge you build But you never even care favorite tunes off of Andy's record. He wrote this song years ago with uh, someone who's been a guest on this show. One of my oldest friends, my mentor, Benny Galloway. I think you wrote this. Yeah, Burl. Yeah. It's here for Burl. Burl. I think <laughs> That's a good question. Where's Burl? He'll be all right. <laughs> right. Anyway, I really love this tune. It's called Wings Upon Your Feet.
what you're seeing You keep looking all around It's looking like another little sleepy one horse town I'm Down around the corner I'm Down some dead end street Not getting where you're going Always on the fly Forget the wind is blowing Till the song goes sailing by Never will convince myself Tomorrow comes too soon Not never near enough For what I need Or wings upon my about the weather in a city or a town ain't getting any better ain't no use to settle down over here is what you want over there is what you need the times we had together we laughed until we cried forget the wind is blowing till the song goes sailing by never will convince yourself it ain't that kind of tune not never near enough for what you need Four wings upon your feet The times we had together We laughed until we cried Forget the wind is blowing Till the song goes sailing by Never did convince ourselves It ain't that kind of tune not never near enough of what we need Oh, wings upon our feet Wings upon our If you're enjoying the music in this episode, I encourage you to check out episode two with John Stickley, episodes 12 and 13, my tribute to Tony Rice, or episode 24 with Beppe Gambetta. As always, thanks for listening, and after the show, be sure to leave a review. So just a couple more questions, man. You're a lifer. You knew early on. Uh, and, but like, how did you know, and what force was driving you? I think I just... Um... I, I knew in my heart that I just was going to do it and I wasn't going to take no for an answer. <laughs> and I think that's like what you've got to, maybe in life, you just have to, if you really want something, and I think this is something I tell my daughter all the time, it's like, if you really want something, you, you can have whatever it is that you want, but you have to work really hard and you have to be dynamic in, because it may not be what you think, you know, what it looks like when you're a kid you know, as in, you know, thinking I'm going to be a musician, what you imagine isn't necessarily going to line up with the reality of, of how it goes. So you have to be 
you know, in other words, you don't want to pass opportunities because you're stuck thinking in tunnel vision and it's going to be this one way. You have to be dynamic. And then you can do it. And, and that was it. I was just going to do it. And that was it. I Any job I got, I never was, you know, took it, except for when I worked for my uncle and my aunt for a while. I loved that. That was like, you know, we worked in a wood shop doing uh, antique restoration was their business. And I loved doing that. But like any other job, really, it was in my head was just this thing to, you know, pass some time to get to the music. You were just thinking about guitar, the guitar you That's were going right. to play after you got out of there. That's I was going to say, what's the best piece of advice you'd give a musician? But I think you just gave it. That's yeah. just good advice for anybody. Yeah, I think for anything you want to do. But yeah, especially in music, it's just, you know, also be, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are. If, if, if people can't get along with you in music, you're probably not going to be able to get too, too far. And, and rightfully so. We don't need any more jerks. Um, you sometimes say, you, something, something I love that you say, sometimes you say, remember the joy. Yeah. I love that. I and got that from Bromberg. You got that from Bromberg. That's brilliant. You know, and then, and, then, and then last night we were talking and you said, remember the art. And we were talking about how so much of the artistry of living is sort of lost. Yeah. I lament that. Yeah. What do you Me think about too. that? You know, yeah, it's funny. It's just, and we were talking specifically, I think, about um, bike racing in the context. That's right. We were talking about it in the context of bike racing. You know, how there's just so much data available and everything's data driven and everybody looks at the, the numbers and, you know, so with athletes and it's like all this stuff. But then, but then sometimes you get these riders in biking who, this is what you were explaining to me, who, you know, they can, they, they can get good numbers, but they fall all the time in a race, you know. They can't they, stay on a bike. They, they don't, don't have, have the that. Art of they don't have that instinct. Yeah, it's not the art. And and you know sometimes when we're in just like everything's about the data with all the stuff, the metrics of you know of how a record's doing. Like people ask me all the time because I released this record last right. month. How's your record doing? How's I'm it like, doing? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I you know it's kind of like I don't know what's good anymore. I don't know. Is it doing good? Is it not doing good? I have no idea. I just know that there are people that are listening to it, and I and I that's you know I appreciate that. But like all I know, my thing is to like put everything and my heart and soul into the music. That's my thing, you know, and that's like our thing. It's what we do with the string dusters. You know, you're not thinking about are people going to like it? Are they not going to like it? Is this going to be good? Is that? It's like you just got to go in and just it has to be about the art only, you know, before anybody could even like it anyway. And then people either like it or they won't like it. But like at least you know that you put your heart and soul into it. That's Did it. it take you a long time to get to that place? Yes, give, them, give the man applause. <laughs> Process over product. <laughs> what, yeah, did it take you a while to come to that realization? I think it takes a while. I think, you know, like when I moved to Nashville, it was like, you know, it's not uncommon to just feel just hopelessly incompetent as a musician when you move to Nashville because there's just so many amazing players everywhere you look, you know. Um, but, you know, after a while there, it was where I learned that, like, you know, there... I, do, I don't sound like that, I, you know, and at first it was like, God, man, I don't sound like that, you know. But it eventually turned into like, well, I don't sound like that. <laughs> I sound like this. Right. And, you know, this is how I sound. This is my voice. And for better or for worse, it just is what it is. And I think that's when you really start to get more comfortable and you start to, like, worry less. I mean, with the String Dusters, we were... We were out there and, you know, started encouraging people, you know, and, and I remember when you started, tapes would appear online and you would worry, oh, I made this mistake or I made that mistake. But then after a while, you're like, I don't know, you just kind of feel like 
once it's out there, it's, you know, it's out there. And, you know, if, if it's on a tape somewhere, who cares, really, you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, being, I think that's part of it, too, like being in the moment for the shows. But, yeah, I think that it took a while. But I think that just comes as part of the, the 10,000 hours, I think, you know? What does, what does success look like to you? Success looks like having a, a balanced life with your family and your work. And, you know, and not everybody has the third part, but for us, it, it's, it's also the art of it, you know. So being, you know, having a, having a good balance and getting your family time and all that. And being able to, you know, with my craft, you know, with our art, be able to, you know, put a roof over the head of my family and put food on the table. And to me, that's like even bigger success than I ever imagined, you know? Yeah. So like the, anything beyond that to me is really just icing on the cake. You know? Is there anything you're afraid of? That question. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can skip it. You haven't used no. your one pass. You get one free pass. Yeah, is there anything I'm afraid of? Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm a f I'm always afraid of um, you know one of the one of the downsides of of what we do is being away a lot and so I'm always afraid of of needing to be home and not being able to be home and I think that's something that is on all of our minds all the time when you have families and you go on the road and you do all that stuff and you know like right now you know there's stuff going on at home with m my family with my dad and all this stuff that you know just can't be there for and it's you know, and it's a, it's a hard thing, you know, when you're, and so that stuff is what I'm always afraid of, you know. Yeah. What is it that you hope for? And I hope for, um, you know, I, listen, when, when it comes to, I just, you know, I look at our daughter and I just hope that the world is, is, a, is, a, is a cool place for her to be when she grows up, you know, and, and I think when we get to this age and, and stage in your life, that's kind of what you're thinking about is like, Will, what, what world are we, you know, are we going to leave behind for, for, for these kids, you know, and, um, and hopefully, you know, that's, so that's what I hope for. And finally, that's, yeah, I hope for that too, man. And finally, uh, what is it that makes you happy? Uh, spending time with my family, you know, same kind of thing. I know it's kind of redundant, but just getting to spend time with my family, and, and that includes my string duster family as well, and... Uh, Getting to play music and uh, do our thing, man. You know that's that's that's. I feel pretty happy right now with all of that. So that's that's a great thing. That's awesome, man. Andy Falco, thanks so much. Thanks for answering the questions. You know, uh, we haven't uh, we haven't done any we haven't done any Jerry yet. Um, but but one thing that the two of us have in common is is a love of of Jerry Garcia's music, The Grateful Dead. Falco here especially is familiar with the music, and we love playing it. And that's something that we're going to be doing a lot of over the rest of our lives, I'm sure, because because um, the music is so great and so timeless. So we're going to play you some more music here, a couple of Dead tunes. Um, thanks again, everybody who's tuning in at home, and thank you all for being here in the studio audience at our final happy hour. For the foreseeable future, it's a little bittersweet. This whole thing started about 14 months ago, and this is our 23rd episode, which is kind of awesome. And um, and I have big I have I have big things planned, and I'm sort of delusional about the kind of success I can have, and I won't take no for an answer. Don't take no for an answer. You do whatever you want. 
So, uh, so phase, phase two, uh, happy hour Mach 2 will be returning in 2022. But until then, we're going to play some music for you. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. It's Andy Falco on the guitar.
that same sweet song again Well, you know why Anyone who stings a tune so sweet Is passing by I know it's it's like it's almost cliche or like a trope at this point, but you know the Grateful Dead's music it really it's like the most American band that ever was, and that and it's just amazing how um, you just don't yeah you just how just how how that music carries on you know and how people still want to hear it and it still works just like it always did always will. But we won't just play Jerry. We also play music inspired by Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> we play both kinds of music. We both play, we both play, play both kinds of music. We play Jerry music and music inspired by Jerry. <laughs> and this falls firmly into the latter category. Yeah, this is definitely one that I wrote that was definitely, I felt like trying to channel that, you know, that Hunter Garcia kind of vibe, for sure. I don't know if I was successful in that, but that's where it was, that's where it was coming from anyway. <laughs>
look back at my early years, Lord, things have changed. Through the laughs and through the tears, I've reassessed and I've rearranged. Friends have come and friends have gone, cause that's what time will do. Just when I think I've got it all down, I learn something new. Stare at the bright light long enough You will surely go blind Search around in the dark You will never find These answers I've been looking for They couldn't be taught to learn I'm trying not to leave a stone unturned to see still a long way to go I think about what's in front of me I'm losing time with what I don't know I can stop to free my mind and just live for today when I'm lost for no reason or rhyme I hope I'll find my way You will surely go blind Search around in the dark You will never find These answers I've been looking for They couldn't be taught to learn I'm trying not to leave a stone unturned Casting it into the sea Drag it in to find what comes to be The more you do, the more you learn The more you get to take your turns
This has been the Travis Book Happy Hour Podcast. Thanks for listening. Huge thanks to Andy Falco, Thompson Guitars, Americana Vibes, and the Bluegrass Situation. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a positive review. It really helps us out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Travis Book Happy Hour and online at thetravisbookhappyhour.com. And remember, it's okay to be happy.